Welcome to Follow to Lead, where we discover how to listen for and follow God's call so that we might lead others to God. Our shared stories of inspiration from religious leaders and those active in the educational ministry of the church can help you know better how God is calling you and the role passionate Catholic education plays in spreading His message of faith, hope, and love. Now please welcome the hosts of Follow to Lead, Father Randy Sly and Kyle Pietrantonio. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Christ the Teacher, teach us to listen. Teach us to do the deep listening to the sounds of our soul, waiting to hear your voice calling us to cast out deeper, to become fishers of men and women, shepherds of souls, to follow your will in order to lead others to the beauty, truth, and goodness only you can offer. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, welcome to a special Lenten edition of Follow to Lead, a journey twice a month into the world of Catholic education, exploring what it means to follow God in order to lead others to Him. And the theme for this special edition of Follow to Lead is our Lenten journey as a Catholic school. I'm Father Randy Sly, your co-host. And I'm Kyle Pietrantonio. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking to uh, two dear friends, uh, Andy Talicki and Deborah Niermeyer from St. James Academy in Lenexa, Kansas, a suburb of Kansas City. Andy uh, is the president of St. James, uh, served as the first athletic director and basketball coach when the school opened in 2004. And then after a few years as principal, uh, Andy was named president in 2011. He has spent 28 years now in education. Uh, Deborah is St. James Academy's Director of Faith Formation and has been a part of the St. James community since the very beginning. I've seen a lot of Catholic schools over the last uh, couple of decades uh, being a practitioner in the field. St. James Academy is a very special place um, where students form uh, real intentional relationships with with Jesus. Um, St. James is nationally known, uh, not just for for that, but also setting a high bar for, for academic excellence, um, while still concentrating on a richness in formation uh, in the spirit um, and human uh, dimensions. Uh, much of that is due to the work Deborah and Andy uh, have done over the last several years at St. James Academy. We're thrilled to have you, Andy and Deborah. Welcome to Follow to Lead. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so happy to be here. Love this podcast. Well, Andy and Deborah, we're really so glad that you could be with us today. And uh, as I said at the very beginning, we have a special edition today. It's uh, uh, our Lenten journey as a Catholic school. And I'm going to start with a really big, somewhat open-ended question for you. And that is, how does St. James Academy walk out its Lenten journey as a school? Deborah, why don't you, since you're kind of, you're the logistics persons for what we do in formation, and, and just so everyone knows, I think uh, the important piece to understand about what Debbie's role is, and when, when we first started from the very beginning of St. James, we had a, a definite mission handed to us. We had a, we had a, we had a, a, a great president that we started with, Mike Alex, and, and Archbishop Kelleher and Archbishop Nauman, who had a vision for what the school would be. And quite frankly, uh, no one had ever heard of an administrator called a director of faith formation. Uh, and Debbie's basically 
we're we're kind of a, a two-headed monster. She's my right hand man here at school and 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 helps lead in the formation side of St. James on the day-to-day basis. And it's probably been, and she knows I've said this to a lot of people, the most important position we hired at St. James because it was different. Um, and, and people just didn't understand what an administrator would look like as director of faith formation. So Debbie, I'm going to kind of let you take the lead on that first question from father in, 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 in your fashion. Yeah, well, uh, we, we were put on mission um, right away and that was to build uh, relationship with Jesus, so to form disciples of Jesus Christ, right? And and on the day of graduation, that is our hope for every one of our students. Uh, and so what a great time um, to really focus on that uh, Lent, right? Lent is this beautiful time of integration, I think. And it, integration is something that is so important in education, right? That our students understand that they are a whole person, um, designed body, mind, soul, heart, all of these work together and they're not um, separate from one another or a distinct that uh, you can change one or the other and, and them not all be um, influenced and, and changed as well. So uh, we, we really take Lent as a time to um, refocus. And so there's a, a few things we can, um, I'll just name. Uh, we always look for something that our faculty and staff can do together, uh, that we can grow in spiritual friendship, but in praying for one another and know that we're on, on that same mission together. Uh, and this year, what we're doing is um, a 31-day novena uh, through St. Joseph in this year of St. Joseph. And um, bought those little books for everybody and uh, we're doing that together. And we are, um, we all have our own intentions for that particular novena, um, but also the intention for um, our school to be a light to the world in, in a dark time um, and in a dark place. Um, and so, so that's always where do we start with our, our faculty and staff and, and where do we start with ourselves? And it's become a real tradition around here uh, we get in each other's business, if you will, right, Andy? We we ask each other how our prayer life is going, and and we ask people, "What are you doing for Lent? What what are your alms givings? What are, what are you fasting from? How can we support one another?" Uh, and I I think that builds a lot of great bonds. But um, doing that, another thing that we've done, uh, we have um, our campus ministry department has created what we, they call it a door for twenty four. And we, we have adoration usually here, Eucharistic adoration on Fridays with confession during the school day, uh, but usually during Lent, we'll do that two days a week, um, Tuesdays and Fridays, and offer confession another day of the week. And it's so beautiful to see uh, that our priests are busy during those times, uh, both days of the week. But this Adore for 24 is a 24 hour. We start with mass on a Friday. We have Eucharistic adoration. Uh, all night and end with mass on a Saturday morning and families come together throughout the night uh, to spend a holy hour. Uh, the students do a um, stations of the cross and our seniors write the um, stations, the reflections. And that usually <laughs> happens at midnight on that night. And uh, it's so great to have families call and say, are you really having Stations of the Cross at midnight? Because my teenager is telling me they're going to be at church <laughs> at midnight on a Friday night. Is that true? Right. You know, so great. So great to get those calls. Uh, and then um, 
we do something in our school regularly once a month called Draw Near, which is a, a night of Eucharistic adoration, praise and worship, uh, confession, benediction. And we do that during um, a two hour period of Adore for 24 as well. And um, that's kind of a staple for us. Andy, I don't know if you wanted to maybe talk about our witness week yeah. that we do. Yeah, so we have a witness week where all faculty, staff, teachers, um, well, we used to call it God week, but we don't call it God week. We're kind of witness week now, but all, all staff members in school give a witness to the students. Um, and we're invited in. I get invited into classrooms. Debbie gets invited into classrooms. Our principal, Shane Rapp, he, he goes in. And basically, it's just we, we go in and, and there's a prompt given by the campus ministry department. It could be any prompt uh, where you saw where you saw God in, in, in your life, or it could be where, where you've witnessed the faith at St. James. It could be a number of different prompts that they give, and then we go in and give a, could be a three-minute witness. It could be a 15-minute witness. It just depends on what, what the heart's, what God's bringing on your heart for that day. So that, that's a it, it re really interesting, to be honest with you. At the very beginning of St. James, when they started talking about doing a personal witness in front of students, I was the scariest guy in the world. I mean, I, I that was not something I felt comfortable right. with. So it ranges across the board for all staff. Um, but our staff feels comfortable doing that to whatever degree they're, they want to do it because that's something we expect of them. And they know that when we, when we go through the interview process, but it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful week because students see teachers in a whole different light. They see me in a whole different light or, or Dr. Rapp or Deborah. Um, so it's, it's uh, it, it really creates, I think more discipleship more than anything uh but it's just something that we we do on a on a prompt on a, on a every year during lent now where does that take place does that take place in the classroom or is there an assembly or how does that work it's it's in the classroom so basically okay. the teachers carve out time anytime during that week uh to do the witness so if they invite us in maybe they invite me in for their you know their, their four classes on friday or whatever so it happens in the classroom it's pretty great. The students now will come down to my office and say, Mrs. Niermeyer, uh, this teacher or that teacher hasn't given their witness yet this week. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> well, well, thank you for telling on them. I'm not going to yeah. do anything about it. Why don't you ask them? You know, yeah. ask them. Uh, so they, it's something they, they really look forward to and uh, they expect from one another. And we, we've added a piece. We have a community system so students are in a house, if you will, with about 17 other students and a, a mentor teacher. And the mentor teacher gives their witness, but so do the senior leaders. Uh, and so they're expected to share their witness based on the prompt uh, for that year as well. And it's really beautiful. You know, when you have a teenager come in your office and say, I really want to do a good job with my witness, but I've had a pretty great life. I don't remember the moment I decided to follow Jesus because I didn't have something bad happen to me. So I don't have a witness story. It's like, what a great opportunity to say, yeah. praise God. That's like the best. You have not had, yeah, that you haven't right. had that. But let's look at where God's worked in your life. Let's talk about it. And those aha moments in those conversations for students at the, as they start walking back in their own spiritual life to recognize the places that God's worked or where the Holy Spirit really entered in and um, they were open. So. Uh, some have likened these last 11 to 12 months as an extended Lent. Um, 
you know, a desert in, in our lives. Um, and certainly for, for our students, I think of upperclassmen who may not have had prom or graduation perhaps looked different or a homecoming court looked different. Um, Andy, Deborah, what do you say to students who say, gosh, you know, we're already sacrificed a lot um, with this COVID situation. Do we really need to sacrifice more during these next 40 days? You know, I I haven't heard that from kids. I've heard it from the adults, but I <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it in my own heart, yeah. but I haven't heard it uh, from the students, uh, which I think is, is really telling. Uh, of their resilience and um, yeah, their hope. Our, our student body, our juniors at the end of every school year, they uh, create a theme for our next school year. And it was very interesting. We had 75 juniors on a Zoom meeting last May to talk about what they wanted their theme for their senior year to be. And uh, they ended with uh, the phrase, he holds tomorrow, he holds tomorrow. And uh, I, cannot, I can't really say it without choking up a little bit. Just so uh, proud of them uh, to bring all of us back to that moment of hope, right? That, that right, in, in God we hope and it, he holds tomorrow and, and we don't have to worry. Today has enough evil as it is. We don't have to worry past today. So I think they're, they're reminding us in every turn of, of the hope that they have. And, you know, I, this probably happens in schools all over the place, but we've got a, a growing number of of students, uh, juniors and seniors mostly, uh, that are entering into an Exodus 90 or a Fiat 90 uh, that's wow. very grassroots in our building, but there's always a, a good contingent of, of those kids. And, and I think they're kind of carrying all of us on their back in that. And um, it just, yeah, reminds us of the hope that they have. Yeah, I think on top of that, I, I agree with what Deborah's saying. And, and Father Randy is close to us. I mean, he's just across the state line from us. And he knows what has been happening, at least in our metro area, with schooling. And I think the gratefulness of our kids to be on campus. We, we, we started school right. September 9th, and we haven't been out of school. I mean, we've had our hiccups, right? We've had our quarantines. We've had our, but we've been in school since day one, and our, and our sister public schools in this area have not. Um, and so I think that their gratitude – it's amazing how many kids say, I didn't know I missed school so much until I got back into school. Um, and, and I think we have continued to try to live life on our campus the same way we always have, uh, with our sacramental life on a weekly basis, with our community system, with our, with our mentorship, with our discipleship. Uh, mass is full every morning. It is unbelievable to me how, how packed our mass is on a daily basis with kids. Um, so yeah, we're watching them and our, Devers, our, our, our adults have struggled more than our kids, and there's no doubt. I would, I would put myself in that category, um, and I think that it's been uh, much more of a challenge for the adults in this building than it has been for the, for the students. You know, when I was uh, a teenager, I remember the emphasis that we had in our local parish and in my own life was, okay, what am I going to give up for Lent? I'm going to give up chocolate. I'm going to give up cake. I'm going to give up that kind of thing. Uh, do you see students today uh, 
looking at the idea of, of sacrifice, of abstinence, those types of things uh, in a different way? Are they like interested in giving up technology, those kinds of things as a way of really focusing during this Lenten season? Yeah, you know, Father Rainey, it's a great question because in my own house, I have a, I have a 19-year-old, I have a junior that's here at St. James, and then I have a fifth grader. And that discussion actually happened last night. What did you give up for Lent? What you know, in my my seventeen year old daughter uh, is talking about going, how she's going to go to daily mass, um, how she is going to the, her Instagram is she's going to drop off her Instagram. So, and I this is not me. I'm her parent, and I, you know, I'm sometimes not the smartest guy in the world when you're trying to parent your kid. But what she's learning is from her teachers and her mentors here at St. James what the Lenten season really should look like, and it's it's a beautiful witness that I have in my own household uh, to, to what our kids are trying to accomplish. When I last visited St. James Academy a couple of years back, uh, Andy and Deborah, uh, um, one thing that struck me is just the physical layout of, of your campus uh, with the chapel uh, at the heart of, of it physically, um, and figuratively with the tabernacle, uh, truly at the epicenter. Um, and, uh, just the message that that conveys to everyone that's a part of your community is really powerful. Um, and then walking into the chapel, I was struck, um, by the beautiful stations of the cross, um, the, the sculptures of the stations that you have around the, the perimeter of, of your chapel. I'm I'm wondering if you could just share a little bit about um, the story behind those beautiful stations and and uh, what what role they have in your community during Lent. Yeah, we uh, we really wanted in building the school uh, to take um, what the church has always done to teach or to pass on the faith or to catechize, which is through art. Right? It's it's a part of who we are and. Uh, but it's also very expensive. And uh, when you're building a, a new building, uh, looking for ways to do that that are financially doable, um, but also that makes sense in a high school. People kept saying, why are you putting art in a high school? Kids are going to vandalize it. Backpacks are going to hit them. You know, all, all these kinds of things. So the conversation around the stations was that the, the power of that, trip to Calvary, right? I mean, we, we know it, we know it. Uh, but how do we convey that to students who are, you know, entering into a life where, um, you know, those teenage years that can feel like every day on your way to Calvary um, and trying to learn who you are and navigate relationships. You know, I, I think for sophomore girls, sophomore year is Calvary. Like it's just the journey through the stations. And so we really wanted something that the kids could get involved with, that they could touch and um, really connect with. So we had a, a, a wonderful, wonderful donor who really loves art and is Catholic faith. And we found, um, a sculptor who would be willing to do that for us. And uh, his name's Dennis Smith. He's out of um, Utah and actually is a Mormon. And mm. uh, he was commissioned to, to do these. And again, we really wanted emotion and um, 
you know, all the senses, because we're such a, a, a sensual church, all the senses to be something kids could connect with. So Dennis spent two years studying the Stations of the Cross and did these beautiful stations. And, and you know, our English classes will do uh, a sense paper. Well, they'll, they'll come in and say, pick a, one of the stations and um, get involved. What, what was going on emotionally? How did those people feel? What did it smell like? What did they hear? What was going on? And write a paper about it and so they can touch it and, and get involved with it. And there's a lot of um, emotion on the faces uh, and a, a beautiful kind of side note to that is that Dennis said, when, could I come see them where they're at? And he came and visited and we sat down later to speak about it. And he, he just wept. He said, I, I had no idea. I had no idea. I spent two years studying this and I didn't know this about Jesus. And I am, I am changed. Oh my goodness. So our seniors, our, our upperclassmen, um, one of the ways that we use those then for Stations of the Cross is our students write the reflections for the Stations of the Cross. And they're very heartfelt and they're, they connect very deeply to um, the experience of the kids in our building. That was my very long-winded explanation to that. But. It's great. It, I think it's very unique, uh, Deborah. And I figured they served um, a tremendous purpose uh, in your community um, because there was obviously a lot of intentionality behind putting that amount of, of resource um, and, uh, you know, kudos. I mean, it. Um, I, I remember being moved myself by, by, by them when I was um, spent time in the chapel a couple of years ago. And they come to mind um, uh, to me during Lent. So I'm glad you shared that. You know, uh, moving to kind of a, a practical uh, level in terms of uh, your uh, daily schedule during Lent, do you do anything different for like the opening or the ending of school uh, with your students during the season? Uh, not really. I think everything's pretty much the same on a daily basis, Deborah, unless you can think of something differently. Yeah, I mean, we open with um, a morning offering every morning, unless we're nine days from a class retreat, and then we're praying a, a Holy Spirit novena for that class. Uh, and we pray the Angelus together around noon, uh, and uh, we end the day in prayer. I think the only thing kids start to get nervous because we do pray that Regina Chaley during the Easter season and they don't know that <laughs> yeah. one as well. And so there's some trepidation going into that. But no, we keep the rigor of our, our regular prayer life together. You, you will see a lot more kids. We have a silly program, a silly name. We call it uh, AWOL. Kids can go AWOL. If, if they need a few moments to be in prayer, maybe their boyfriend broke up with them. Maybe there was some girl drama. I don't know if that happens in anybody else's high school. But Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe, yeah. you know, you're preparing for a test and you really want to go get your head straight or, you know, your mom's going to be so mad because you didn't study for that test and you got to go home and tell her. So you can say to a teacher, hey, can I go AWOL? And the teacher could say, yeah, you've got 10 minutes, go head down and, and be with the Lord in the chapel. Or, hey, can you let me finish uh, teaching this lesson? And then, then we can give you 10 minutes. And we see a lot of that. We see a lot of kids taking advantage of that during their lunch hour. Um, kids who go in together uh, to pray and offer a petition for one another. So they've really kind of taken that on their own. Uh, and it's, it's really refreshing. 
I, I love that in our school too, where I can just walk into the chapel and there are a few students spread throughout the chapel and, and they're deep in prayer and you have no idea the dramas they're facing, but there they are. And uh, it, it's just, just warming to the heart. Yeah. Deborah, you've got a strong faith formation program, not just for the students at St. James Academy, but also for, for the faculty and, and your colleagues. I'm curious if you could uh, share a little bit about just the overall structure of your faith formation for the faculty. And then if there's anything in particular during the Lenten season um, uh, that's special for the faculty, uh, feel free to share as well. Sure. Yeah. We, you know, we believe that uh, a net, you know, a good foundation in any school starts with the adults uh, that are, that are here. It starts at home, of course. Uh, but we really see ourselves as getting to partner with parents, right? They're the, first teachers, uh, but we sometimes get teenagers longer in a day than parents do. Uh, and so we really believe that um, having faculty and staff who really are grounded in their faith is where we've got we've got to live. And Andy uh, really a number of years ago said, listen, we've got to build a faculty of spiritual friendship. And this is something I want you to focus on. And I went and started studying about what, what does that mean even? Um, and we, we've always had this community system here that's really founded in Acts 2.42, that we're going to learn together and break bread together. We're going to pray together, uh, all these pieces. And so we meet weekly um, as a uh, in small groups where we pray together. We break bread together. Andy pays for breakfast uh, for our faculty and staff every week. And, you know, it's really important. It's really important to eat together. Uh, it, it's a, a place where people let down. And even in COVID, it's pretty hard to eat together. So we've had to be very creative about that. Um, and we have a, a retreat program. We, we begin the school year uh, each semester uh, with a retreat that's um, always, you know, starts with mass and ends with adoration and confession and, um, and always involves sharing our faith. Um, but always starts with the primacy of grace, right? Like where, where is God calling us? How is he speaking to us? What is the words that he has for us uh, for this school year? And it's been amazing how the Holy Spirit has used our, our senior leaders uh, to frame that for us. And so this year, the word was hope. The word was hope because our students said he holds tomorrow. Um, and that really, uh, that small group, we learn together every week. We have a, um, one of our theology teachers who um, does some teaching with us every week, but we're in a small group. That is, you might, you'll have an administrator, um, somebody from the math department, the English department, somebody from the facilities crew, um, maybe some uh, administrative assistants, right? We're all spread out uh, because we know that every single person in our building has a great uh, possibility of impacting the lives of a student from the coaches, especially, uh, to, um, the people that work in the kitchen. You know, if you pass out French fries, you hold the place in teenage hearts, right? So, uh, you can earn respect quickly. And, um, we take that really seriously that every person in this building, uh, the Lord is working through and uses. So um, that formation comes um, in praying together regularly uh, for our campus ministry department to really be uh, building relationship with our faculty and staff, asking to pray for them, how, praying with them, praying over them. 
And uh, a few years ago, we invited our teenagers to come to our faculty retreat at the beginning of the year to pray over our faculty and staff. And that shifted something in our building uh, in a, a really tangible way. Our, our parents, our teachers were so moved to have these teenagers praying over them individually. And, uh, you know, you really got to grow in your comfortability um, in prayer when you hear a teenage boy or teenage girl uh, calling on the Holy Spirit and calling out and naming the giftedness of the teachers in the building. Uh, and, and another way we do that is that we, we have a, a culture of witness and the expectation is that we will share our faith. And uh, we have some particular ways we do that, uh, like Witness Weeks, but um, we also don't invite anyone else in to do our retreats for our students. We expect our teachers to do it and our coaches to do it. And, you know, when you have to teach something, you, you learn it well, don't you? So uh, you, you really start to enter in deeper in a new way, I think, to your relationship with Christ when you have to share it with others. Um, Andy and Deborah, just listening to what you all are doing there at St. James, it sounds absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I know that there may be some that are watching or listening that are in schools and they're going, wow, we're not even close to that. We, we really, we've got so far to go to get to that point. Where would you encourage them to start if they wanted to begin building maybe a strong program of, of uh, spiritual formation? I hate to use the word program, but a, a, a climate and experience. Where, where would you encourage them to begin? You know, I think Debbie and I talk <clears throat> a lot about, we, again, we have, a, we have a long ways to go. We're, we're not perfect by any means. I mean, it all sounds great right now. We've been through many trials over the years to get to where we are today. And um, you know, the idea of the students coming to faculty retreats was something student driven. And that's what we see more and more allowing our students to drive what their needs are, and what their wants are. And we listen to them. Um, you know, I, the one thing that's really important, I think, is to make sure the mission is the purpose of your school and clearly aligned with your faculty and staff. Um, Debbie's mentioned coaches a number of times. We all know in Catholic schools the importance of athletics and activities. Um, we all know that we want to win as many state championships as we possibly can. That cannot be the reason we're here. It can't be the reason we're here to send kids to Notre Dame or Princeton or, or, or Stanford. The reason we're here is because we are creating disciples for Jesus, and the mission of our school has to be at the forefront of all that we do. And it takes it takes it takes a lot because people want to push back against that. I mean, people think that basketball is more important than, than, than the mission at times, but we are very clear in what we believe And And Debbie's always like, what's my budget look like? Cause my budget should be the, the biggest budget in the school, right? Because that's the mission. And we do put, we put money into the mission. We don't, we don't skimp when it comes to that. When she comes to me and asks me, can I do this? She started dream days a few years ago for small groups. And what she decided to do was take all of our small groups off campus and do an individual retreat with small groups. Um, and it includes lunch. It includes a happy hour. Include, so there's, there's money involved in that. But one, I had a very difficult time saying no to Debbie through the years, but 
that is really important. You have to put the mission at the forefront of all you do and don't waver from that. Um, and put hire people. The hiring is the most important important part because we can speak all we want about what we believe. Yep. If we don't put the right people in the classroom or the right coaches on the field, then we're then we're we're going to lose it quick. And and we all I think we all know examples of schools that lost their mission because they got focused on winning state football championships or, or, or creating, you know, academic geniuses that are going to go to, to, to Ivy league schools. I, I would just, as a leader in a building, and I think that's why we've been so, so fortunate. We had great leadership early on. Debbie and I followed that leadership um, from the, from day one. We believed in the mission. We believe in our Bishop. Um, and, and we continue to, to say the same things they were saying 15 years ago when they were standing up in front of people. Um, that's that to me, that's the most important thing is you have to fulfill the mission on a daily basis and really put your money where your mouth is. I mean, that, that's super important. And I would add a piece to that, uh, that the formation really started with us, uh, Andy and I, and Mike, Alex are and the six of us that started the school together. We met once a week, uh, for prayer and uh, lunch or breakfast, uh, and we brought in a, a theologian to teach us, and and we went through this process together. And I think it starts, you know, um, where people would say at the top. I, I think it starts at the bottom, <laughs> and I think Andy and I are at the bottom. Uh, you know, our bishop is underneath us, but it, it's got to flow up. It's got to be this fountain that flows out of us. But um, if Andy and I and our principal Shane, if we're not working on our own prayer life, if we're not sharing our faith with one another and asking um, for help, you know, if I'm having a bad day, I can go into my boss's office and say, I need some prayer. I'm about to lose it today. <laughs> you know, and he goes, oh yeah, you are. You should probably shut your door. <laughs> you know, you shut your door and, and do whatever. Get to the chapel near my ear or, um, you know, in a relationship where we can really support each other. In, in that and and know that this is a journey. And I think when they see Mr. Talicki in the front row at mass every morning, that makes a real impact on people in our, our community. No. We need him, right? Yeah. I, uh, Andy, I'm glad you articulated that about, about schools and that framework. I, I think you can tell so much about what a school prizes and prioritize looking at two things, time, and resources. Look at a school's calendar. You know, how much of it is filled with spiritual activity and enrichment and around the faith, you know, and look at a school's budget and, and how much is going to campus ministry and how much is going to athletics. You know, that's an interesting exercise. Um, but I think, you know, Catholic schools that really care about uh, the salvation of their student souls ought to really look at doing that exercise. Um, and, and I think that that's where you start is starting to channel time, um, and resources to, um, to that endeavor of, of strengthening the faith formation, uh, culture of, of your school. Right. Yeah. And Debbie's going to come in my office here in about 15 minutes and ask me for something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, as you look to the future, what are some things that you would like to do uh, in a in a greater and and uh, stronger way uh, to help build uh, that this Lenten uh, journey into your students. What are things that you're not doing that you'd like to do? 
I'm sure Debbie's got some things rolling in her mind because whenever she starts thinking about stuff like that, she'll come in and we'll we'll have conversations. You know, I think again, I think when it it was so fascinating when we started that the the adults were leading the kids on a regular basis, and we've seen our kids grow into this incredible leadership that is willing to take on a door for 24 and and run with it, Um, willing to take on. I mean. Draw nears were created by students. We didn't tell them we're going to do this. Um, so my my hope and prayer is in the future. Okay, what what do they want to do next, and and how can we support what they want to do? Um, mm-hmm. I just watch our our young people creating discipleship opportunities for others that are just unbelievable. And I and I think it's us allowing them to take those gifts and and expand that. I think that's. I don't know what the next thing's going to be. I, I think we need to continue to maintain who we are as a school, in, in particular during these very challenging times. But I, I, I just look forward to seeing what our students come up with in the future. Yeah, we we haven't been able. Um, uh, one, last year, we were able to do a uh, a it's um, a pilgrimage to seven churches on holy. Thursday night where you can go to altars of repose and pray. And we were able to take a busload of students to, to do that. Uh, last year it was, a, I'm sorry, it was two years ago. <laughs> it was two years ago. Right. And, and we, we look forward to maybe getting back to that as our churches open and we're able to put kids on buses and things like that. That was a really beautiful experience. Um, but I, but I think that what, where Andy's speaking into um, providing space for our kids to really learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. And if we can continue to walk with our, our adults and our students uh, into space where, where we can have hearts and minds and emotions and desires open to that working of the Holy Spirit, uh, our kids do continue uh, to lead us to beautiful places. And, um, yeah, I think even in this time of, of Lent, like you said earlier, Kyle, that we've been in for 11 months or something, I, I, I just believe deeply that the Lord is going to open up some things to us that we couldn't have imagined, you know, being, I don't like to use the word socially distant. I prefer physically distant uh, because I just I don't want to be socially dead so wrong. Uh, but even being physically distant is, is so difficult. Uh, but I know, you know, that God works good for all those who love him. And uh, we're really trusting in that. But our diocese has embarked on um, a couple of things that they've focused on. Um, one of them is prayer, care, share, that we are called to evangelize by praying for ourselves, like knowing the Lord in prayer, but also praying for others, to care for others, and then to share with them. And so we've rolled that out to our students, this understanding of prayer, care, share, and as cheesy as that may sound, it, it rings, right? You can kind of get behind it and remember it. And we've talked a little bit about the crowds to three model that um, the Lord had had the crowds, the 72, the 12, and the three. And 
to ask our students, who, who are your three? Who are the three that you're witnessing to? Who are the three that you're going to share your faith with? Who is someone in this building or on your team that needs to know the love of Jesus as you do? So I think putting those things in uh, more in our vernacular and working with kids on how, how to really walk through uh, not only growing a discipleship themselves, but uh, to form, be disciple makers as well. You know, one of the things, and I've had the privilege of being on your campus multiple times, and one of the things that I, I love to see is I'm just walking down the halls, is when the students are passing the chapel, and in particular when they intersect with the tabernacle, you see them making the sign of the cross as they're just walking down the hall to the class and things like that. And I know that's not like a student handbook requirement Every time you walk by the tabernacle, you must make the sign of the cross or else Mr. Talicki is going to have a talk with you. This is just in the DNA of, of St. James students. And it's, it's wonderful to see how the students have kind of picked up and reproduced just naturally uh, many of the dynamics that, that are there. Can you talk about that a little bit? Deborah, I, you know, I, I don't even recall who it was. But a student started it like in year two. Year one. Year one. Year okay. One. Yeah, we our our building is not uh, complete. We hope someday in our in our lifetime it will be right, Mr. Slicky. Uh, but our our tabernacle is at the uh, center of our property and can be seen by, at least at that point, could be seen by all academic wings of the building. And uh, yeah, in our very first year, uh, some students were talking about how they're. Their grandparents live in small towns, and whenever they drive by the church in the small town, their grandma or their grandpa would make the sign of the cross as they, and they thought it would be appropriate that we do that. And I said, well, that's great. I'm not, I can't tell people to do that, but maybe you can. And uh, they talked about it as a class, and that was something they really wanted to pass on. And uh, it's so beautiful when those things happen because the seniors hold everybody accountable and they have such buy-in, right? They, they want to make sure we want to make sure this place doesn't go downhill when we leave Mrs. Niermeyer. So we, we're going to hold kids accountable. And we're going to teach them, but it just so happened this year that our tabernacle uh, is uh, got windows behind it. So you can see it from the academic wings, but as we were streaming mass, we covered those windows with um, black curtains so that you could have, could see the altar basically from the glare. And I had gotten a lot of emails from some frustrated teachers who said, could you please move the curtains? I count on seeing Jesus when I need to uh, during my day. And it, it was, I hadn't even thought of that was the really blessing the teachers. Uh, so we've gotten some holders to pull our curtains back with. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Kyle, anything else you have that you want to uh, ask? This has just been a, a wonderful conversation. Uh, I want to thank Andy and, and Deborah so much uh, for your time today and uh, all you're doing at, at St. James Academy. We hope the school summit, the DIA summit, uh, comes back to St. James Academy in the not too distant future. And uh, I'm sure this conversation will inspire some folks to visit to see your school in action and, and see all the grace uh, there. So thanks again. Well, we yeah, we appreciate your time, Father and, and Kyle. You guys, this podcast is great. You guys are doing a great job with the podcast, and, and it's very enjoyable.
Oh, thanks. Oh, thank you so much. We I want to echo Kyle's uh, thanks to you. It's just been wonderful to be with you today. And also for those that are listening or watching, if you haven't done it already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and uh, leave a comment to encourage us toward uh, future programming. Uh, we also want to thank our production interns, uh, John Sampson and Alex Shire, who along with our production supervisor, Mr. Jack Alsbach, are producing this podcast. And may Almighty God bless you. We'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode of Follow to Lead, a production of the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative. To learn more about finding your own path in your journey of faith, or for more information on what we discussed in today's episode, you are invited to follow us on social media and visit us on the web at diaschools.org. To provide a one-time donation or monthly pledge, please visit our website. Your gift will aid us in providing up-to-date information, additional resources, and other support on how to take Catholic education to a higher level. We look forward to helping you follow God's call to lead others to God right here on Follow to Lead.